1: Sit down at any respectable cantina in any locally trafficked corner of Oaxaca and they're going to drop a bowl of chapulines at your table. Crickets, really, toasted and spiced crickets. So what do you do if you want that authentic Oaxacan experience in your home? Go to mescalforlife.com. Mezcalforlife.com offers two flavors of chapulines, spicy or lime and salt. And their chapulines come from 100% organic alfalfa farms, fresh and natural. When you can't make it to Oaxaca, mezcalforlife.com brings Oaxaca to you. And while you're shopping for that hopping protein, check their website for a complete selection of copitas, jicaras, and everything you need if you live for mezcal. mezcalforlife.com.
2: I am Chava Periva, And I'm Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD.
1: And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps Gringex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. And we know that it it helps them because we get smarter and smarter and smarter with the more agave spirits that we drink.
3: That is correct. When I first met Lou, he was not able to speak in Spanish or Arabic. and now that he has drank all these puntas and agave spirits, he can fluently speak all of these languages, right? Try go go Lou do your yeah, pollos de la noche
1: well at least at least Connie says that uh, that I, I it's either I should be in jeopardy or that I'm in jeopardy. I'm not sure which one <laughs> she's talking about, but I think it's I think it's I should be on jeopardy because I'm getting smarter.
3: Okay, so does that make any sense, Ryan? Medically speaking, has Lou become smarter because of his consumption of agave spirits?
2: I don't know. I meet a lot of people who want to tell me their ideas whenever they're drunk. And they're, you, they're usually terrible <laughs> ideas. So. Or, or are you hearing him slurring his words and it sounds like a foreign language? Could it be that? Yeah, he was, tra-
3: <laughs> yeah, he was trying to talk everyone and like, we'll get really close to your face. Yeah, all those symptoms, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. So what we're talking about today is alcohol's effects specifically on the brain. And every time I'm on this show, I always have bad news for everyone about <laughs> yeah, get, the disregarding yeah, yeah, regarding alcohol as a, a healthy potion. <laughs> So today we want to talk about specifically alcohol and its effects on the brain and what it can do as, as far as cognitive development as you go throughout your lifetime, as well as what it does to your sleep cycle.
3: Mm. Uh, I know. Like, this all sounds so ominous. Like, I, like, I'm tempted to just tell you guys that I don't want to make this episode for my, for my mental sake. But anyways, let's go, Ryan, please.
2: All right. So the last time you had me on the show, we talked about. Alcohol and Longevity, which was the name of Raymond Pearl's book when he went around Baltimore and started interviewing families and asking about how much do people drink and at what age do they die. And that's what initially kicked off the myth that alcohol was healthy for you. Now, I'll say there is some truth to that myth. There there is the EPIC trial or the EPIC study, I should say, the EPIC study, which came out of Europe that showed that a small amount of alcohol every day, so you're talking like half an ounce to an ounce, that did decrease death rates. But now we start looking at what is alcohol's effect on other parts of the body, not just did someone die or not, but can it affect other parts? And, and so you brought me on today because we wanted to talk about brain. So Lou and Chama, what are your questions about the brain and alcohol? Well, you know, I'll tell you, my, my big question is
1: I, I, I did, literally didn't start drinking alcohol until I was of legal age. I'm that Wow. <gasps> uh... Yeah, I know. You're a unicorn. Yeah, you I know. Blew the like unicorn, yeah. All the parties in high school like skip it. I didn't I didn't touch it. Um but as soon as it became uh, legal for me to drink, I did. And and I think it was a mistake to start what? then. You know, I've been, yeah, I've been, I have, I've read a few papers, um, of, I'm afraid to say study because Ryan takes that word very seriously, of, of papers that suggest that the frontal lobe of the brain doesn't connect with the rest of the brain until you're somewhere between the ages of like 22 and 25. And I have this, this idea, and I don't know if it's because it's literally just an assumption I made or if uh, I read it in one of these these papers, um, th- that that connection can be inhibited. Is the brain connections can be inhibited um, by drinking.
2: Yeah, so... It, most of the world what? has. What I
1: can't
3: believe that that actually has some reason. I, I was ready for you to say that that was absolute nonsense.
2: No, wow. No, that, that's actually true. So, in most what? of the world, the legal age yeah. of drinking is eighteen because the idea is you're an you're an adult. You can now drink when you're eighteen, except in the United States. So, Lou, you're correct. The prefrontal cortex does not finish developing until you're around twenty-five, and drinking alcohol does inhibit that development. So. We could make the legal age 25 here in the United States, but we decided to split the difference between 18 and 25, and we went with 21. And that's where... <laughs> which which, which
1: tells you that when you're splitting the
2: difference, whoever was making that split
1: had clearly had a lot of alcohol when they were 16.
2: Maybe so. So that's where the, yeah. the number came from, the, the legal age at 21. That's it. That's the whole reason is because we're trying to keep people from drinking longer so that way they can develop their free prefrontal cortex. That's it. That's... All but, so in theory, we should wait until we're 26. Yes, in theory, you should wait until your mid-20s to pick up your first really? drink of alcohol. Really? Yeah. So,
3: okay, I'm sure you're going to get to this, but I just want to throw it in there <laughs> so that, that it's part of your explanation. So uh, a friend of mine that is not myself uh, started <laughs> drinking uh, maybe in his 13s, mm-hmm. and probably he picked his drinking in his 15s. And then he has since then drank in a very moderate fashion. So what happens to the brain of that friend? like you don't have chance right away. I would just I would like to transfer <laughs>
2: yeah. that into that. Let's talk about in general people who who drink a lot. All right. So there was the Whitehall Two. Study that came out that looked at nine thousand people in England and followed them over the course of seventeen years, and it followed them for a variety of factors. But one of them looked at dementia, and it found that people who who uh, drank, particularly a large amount, so you're talking like what they called fourteen units a week, so fourteen drinks every week, had much higher rates of dementia. But they also found, (laughs) crazy enough, people who. Decide to give up alcohol at, in their midlife. So people who abstain starting in midlife also had higher rates of dementia. And that was just the data that they threw out, which, of course, leads to people to start speculating about why would someone who abstains from alcohol hmm. also get dementia? And one of the thoughts was kind of like what your friend did. It's, it's They drink so much when they're younger, they realize they have a problem. And so they stop drinking in midlife. And then but they've already done all the damage. And so just because you've abstained at the age of 50 doesn't mean that that's going to not come back to bite you later on. And then that's why they develop dementia at younger ages.
1: So you're saying that Chava's friend who stopped at 15 years old could still if if he drank enough from 13 to 15, he already did the damage. It's too late. You can't once the once the oil's out of the engine, you can put oil
2: back in, but you drove that car without the oil in it, you're gonna that damage is always gonna be there. So maybe. So this was this is oh. a study that looked at people who stopped drinking in midlife and never asked, did you stop drinking when you were a teenager? <laughs> sure.
1: Sure. But in theory, the damage like you do the damage, the damage doesn't get undone. Right. And then I
3: think like the 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 really important question there is like what exactly are we calling damage? Like, what, what, what is that damage that happens? Is it like connections?
2: Is it actually like damaging the tissue of the brain? What is the damage you're creating? Yeah. So as, as people age, your brain shrinks. And we can see this on a CAT scan or an MRI. And so we call it age-adjusted changes. And you see this in an 80-year-old versus a 50-year-old. Now, as as someone gets dementia, or if someone has early onset dementia, or has some other kind of cognitive impairment, we'll see that in an MRI or a CAT scan by having a much smaller brain. And so, you'll it's, it's pretty interesting to see this when you actually look at an image. So, if you want to just get on Google and, and look up CT scan brain dementia, you'll see the the smaller brain images and how much space there is in the uh, in the skull to accommodate for that smaller brain. So. Somebody did an entrepreneuring study following people. And so in the United Kingdom, there's something called Biobank, which is this really large, uh, I guess, cohort study that follows 500,000 British people. And it's pretty involved. It involves... questionnaires as far as, like, (laughs) lifestyle. It involves things like blood, urine, and... what. Just a a quick aside, I just kind of love the fact that everybody's
1: studying the uh, the brains of these people who live in the UK. Yeah. Because, like, that's the most interesting (laughs) brain in the world. Anyway, sorry, keep going, Ryan.
2: Well, a lot of it has to do with funding for research in the UK, as well as its NHS system that uses... The same hospital system and the same electronic medical system for everyone. So it's a lot easier to do research in the U.K. than it is in most other countries just for Uh, the setup of the medical system.
1: Gotcha. Anyway, so in the
2: U.K., you've got Biobank and Biobank follows half a million people and, and it does genetic testing and does everything from bone density testing. But it also for a lot of people might also have imaging studies for their brains. So one study looked at twenty five thousand British people and it paired their alcohol questionnaires with MRI images of the brain and found that people who drink more have smaller brains. And sure. that might be part of that, Java, answering your question of well, why does someone get dementia or cognitive impairment as they drink more? Part of it is because of the volume loss of the brain.
1: That is so so freaking scary. Like, like uh, you know, and you know why he's scared, Ryan, is because he realizes I just have to wait him out. (laughs) That's all I got to do is wait him out because he drinks so much more than I do. Eventually, I'll become the smartest host of Agave Road Trip.
3: Jesus, no!
1: But this is like I what what
3: I'm like struggling to grasp is why is this not. Maybe it's very common information that everybody knows, but me <laughs> that I try to ignore. But I have the impression that this is not as visible as it should be, and I have no idea. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scared now. So maybe, so, yeah,
2: yeah, you're, you're maybe right. Like, what marketing have has the public health sector done on educating the people about the dangers of alcohol?
3: Yeah, because usually, like the, the I mean the. The disclaimers are not as scary as the things you've been telling us in these last episodes, to be absolutely honest. Uh Um... yeah, Jesus. So it's basically you're shrinking your brain. Yes. Uh, is there, a, like, I mean, I, I don't think it gets worse than that, but is there anything else? Yeah. Like, is there any other? D- oh, wait, Lord, no.
1: He's going to tell you about your testicles now. Well, what do you no, think no, about that, Shava? I don't know about that.
2: Uh, but, yeah, the same biobank, so looking at other MRI images, and so another study looked at 10,000 people looking at their alcohol questionnaires and then mri images from around the body not only found smaller brains but also found larger hearts and that's not a good thing because these are (laughs) overly muscular hearts that are trying to pump against high blood pressure and it also found more instances of fatty liver and so now you're on the spiral of i'm going to get liver damage and then as my liver starts scarring it's going to go to cirrhosis and then now i've got liver failure
3: yeah, but, like, you know, still, that's not shrinking your brain. I mean, like, that's all the scary stuff we all know, right? Like, uh, blood pressure problems, uh, cirrhosis, that's that's cool. Like, we've heard about it, but shrinking of the brain, anyway, so the brain. <laughs> the-
1: <laughs> I'm, you know, no, I'm, I'm really a- curious, with all of this bad news that you give us, Ryan, you call yourself cocktail MD, you literally are an emergency room doctor. You know all of this, and yet you still drink
2: cocktails. Yeah. So there's, but I also don't drink more than one cocktail now. So at at this point, I just drink one. A month? Uh, well, at a time. So you don't want to binge drink. That's one of the more dangerous things is binge drinking. Not not just for health on your brain, but all the things that come along with binge drinking, like violence and, and traumatic death. That would be the, the big one. And
3: divorces and uh, family drama. And uh, I mean, soap operas are based on the notion of binge
2: drinking.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But so you you drink one cocktail a week? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah.
2: If so, if I have a night off and I'm going to drink, it if it's just going to be maybe one cocktail and that's it. That's that's it for my whole day. And so yeah, there are all these great things out there, and I'm sure I want to try them sometime. But unfortunately, that's the limit that I've imposed myself. And you and we do this for all sorts of parts of our life. So I'm sure smoking is delightful for smokers, but I'm never going to pick up a cigarette because of the dangers that are inherent to it. Or riding a motorcycle without a helmet on. That again, I'm sure it's thrilling riding a motorcycle at 80 <laughs> miles an hour without a helmet on, but I've also seen what happens when people get into wrecks. And so it's just something that I'm never going to do. Right, not even once a week. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, so there are there are things out there that I may enjoy or I may think that I might enjoy should I pick them up, but I'm never going to do it because I know the downstream health effects of that. Just so are you, huh? So are are you suggesting then that people shouldn't drink? You no, know, people can drink. So we we talked a few <laughs> times about the about the whole alcohol long, longevity. But if you're going to drink, you have to drink in small amounts. Moderation. Yeah, and so, and again that term moderation it, it's it's kind of it means different things to different people, and yeah. so it it really for me it'd be like you, you should probably stick to two ounces or less if you're going to drink.
3: Jesus, and you know, like I'm gonna say something that it's it's gonna sound, I guess. Uh, like, like, if I'm trying to make a big deal out of it, but you yeah, know, like, I if, if I were to lose my legs, that will definitely suck, right? And my life will be changed for the worse for the rest of my life. But that I, I wouldn't be that sad about it. Like, I will live like most people live in Mexico City, just sitting in their, in their chairs all day.
1: Like, I don't know, like, but if <laughs> I, lo- I know exactly where he's headed with this one, and so do you, Ryan. I, yeah,
3: but, but if I lose my mind, if I lose. <laughs> if i lose my brain that is who i am that is the most significant part of, of what makes me a person so I am endangering the the most why are you whistling Lou?
1: Nothing keep going
3: <laughs> oh well I like that I am endangering the, the thing that, that makes me a human, basically. And when you say dementia, I'm, I'm guessing you're considering Alzheimer's. Yeah. You're considering a bunch of degenerative, horrifying things that are gonna get you in, in in a long, extended period of suffering. So it's not like you're gonna die tomorrow. You're gonna be 10 years in an asylum, like, being taken care of and, like, not really have the humanity
2: you were used to. Yeah so your your brain essentially defines <laughs> oh who you geez. are like your personality your your ability to think your ability to experience things that all comes from your brain and so you're right things like d- telling people they're going to get dementia or telling people that they're, they're going to have a stroke certainly gets their attention and so oh, if you man. tell them Drinking high amounts of alcohol for a long period of time is the same as smoking for a long period of time. You're going to increase your rates of a lot of bad stuff down the road. You know, on the on
1: the bright side, Chava, if you if you do lose your mind like, you're not going to care what the end of your life looks like. You'll be living in a fantasy land. Well,
3: nobody knows that for sure, though. Right, right? Ryan? nobody knows exactly what happens inside the mind of somebody with Alzheimer's. Like, they don't know if, like, which is your level
2: of perception. Yeah. So I I get to see both ends of the spectrum of dementia. So some are the happy, demented people who are just kind of laughing and jovial, but they really have no idea where they are or, or what they're doing. But I also see the the other end of people who are scared and they come into the emergency room violent and attacking people because they have no idea who they are or where they are. Wow.
3: Yeah, it's not, yeah, Jesus Christ. Well,
1: you know, I have to, I have to thank you, uh, Ryan, because I think what you've just done is you've made all of my future trips with Chava so much easier for me. (gasps) What? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds to me like you're going to be cutting back on how much you drink. Significantly,
3: yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah. come on, I, I like I, I I say party sometimes, but I've always
2: woke I always wake up at four a.m. to get out to to the next stop. So four a.m. That's <laughs> that leads me to the next transition here. So there's this there's this idea of a nightcap or drinking right before going to bed because alcohol is a sedative and will put people to sleep. And and yeah, again, alcohol is a sedative, so it can make you sleepy. But the problem is that drinking alcohol before bedtime really delays your onset of sleep and then causes you to wake up more during sleep and then leads to, in turn, more daytime sleepiness. So alcohol hmm. disrupts your sleep cycle. And if you're waking up at 4 a.m., that's probably why, is because you've thrown off your sleep cycle from the night before. <laughs> You know, what you're saying would be logical for anybody else. But really, the
1: thing that wakes up Chava at 4 a.m. Is, is Lubang. Oh, OK. All right. Yeah. I <laughs> we, just need really to get, like to, we need to
3: get to Jalisco by 6
1: a.m. Yeah, Wake I, up, Chava. I just like to be on the road in the middle of a beautiful place during sunrise because that's how you're going to get the beautiful pictures. Well, um, which I agree. I fully agree with that. Just but but still annoying. Yeah, but I you know but I think that's I think that's a really important point. Is uh, it, 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 we tend to I tend to finish my drinking at about eleven a.m. or noon when we're traveling, um, because I don't like to have that feeling as I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, but I yeah I think I think that's yet another another thing to think about if you're drinking and if you're in the business of drinking right and yes. you end your you end your you end your Shift. evening at, t- at 2 2 a.m and then you have a drink after that like that that's got to mess up your schedule which is going to mess up your long-term health
2: yeah that's a real concern for bartenders or people who work in the industry like uh, brand ambassadors for example get called to a lot of parties and have to drink a lot so yeah you're you're right Lou. drinking a lot uh Especially at nighttime, especially right when you're going to have to go to bed, causes its own set of problems in addition to all the other things that we've just discussed. Yep.
1: Well, this is going to be the last episode of our podcast. No one's going to want to listen to us again.
3: I'm going to start calling this the horror, like the horror Ryan show.
1: Just when you thought it was safe to go back to podcasts, cholera, E. coli. Cardiovascular disease. Salmonella. Substance abuse. It's the Horror Ryan Show. Air pollution. Blindness. Cancer. Diabetes. Cerebrovascular accident. Anemia. Bird flu. Dysentery. Drugs. Aging. Leprosy. Breastfeeding, rabies, cloning. Bovine spongy form encephalopathy. Diarrhea. Wait a minute. The call, it's coming from inside the bar. It's the Horror Ryan Show. Yeah, baby, I'm here to burst all your bubbles. Papa. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> bad news with cocktail md <laughs> there you go okay well it, this is good information to have whether you act on it or not um yeah and thank you ryan oh lord thank you ryan
3: really thank you, thank like, you guys. like it's uh i, I think this uh, i i want to stress how much i i think this should be more available more visible even if it sucks because i think we all should be more aware of what our decisions really mean for the long run. So thanks, Ryan. And thanks, Lou, for being part of (laughs) this (laughs) whatever.
1: Okay, guys, catch you next episode. (laughs) Adios, adios. Bye.
3: This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc.
1: Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network.